I'm Annie Howe, and you're listening to the Truth in This Art podcast hosted by Rob Lee. And welcome to the Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today I have the privilege of being in conversation with an interdisciplinary artist and curator whose work uh, encompasses painting, sculpture, and photography. Please welcome James Williams II. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Rob, how are you doing? I I'm here. I'm I'm a, I'm around. I'm doing well. How are you today? I'm doing good, and thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. I see you got the, the analog over there. I appreciate that. <laughs> Shout out to you. Um, so as we we start off, I want to start peppering you with conversations because you know, we, and we we have topics, we have news and stuff to talk about a little bit towards the end. But I want to start off with um, kind of introductory sort of stuff. Could you share, you know, some of your early influences and how your life upbringing influenced your your current body of work? Oh, um, yeah, it's been uh, a mixture of things that has influenced my work, uh, specifically the work I'm doing right now. But I would say um, the current work right now has been influenced with, um, I think, the kind of uh, conversations that I have received as a kid from my mom um, uh, regarding race, regarding society, and how one begins to navigate through that uh, society, knowing your race. Um, But these are not conversations, you know, that are universal. These are more personal conversations. And these are conversations that, uh, for me, uh, that I'm sharing with my oldest. And so kind of carrying that, that, uh, uh, I hate to say legacy because it's not really a legacy, but this um, kind of uh, part of um, survival, per se, mm-hmm. or at least understanding of something that makes no sense whatsoever. And in theory, um, and I, you know, be honest, it wasn't till my daughter told me and it made no sense mm-hmm. that I understood that it made no sense. And, you know, you, you knew it at some point, but the complexities of, uh, um, complexities of it, it, complexities of it begins to get more ingrained into you uh, as you get older and you begin to just accept it to, to some degree. So, you know, there's influence there regarding the relationships uh, of, of me as a parent, but also me uh, when I was a child and, and was also trying to navigate uh, when I was her age. Uh, my, <clears throat> I have two daughters. Uh, I have two daughters. Uh, my oldest is named Indigo, and my youngest is named Zoe. Uh, her full name is Zoel. And so, you know, when I make work, I, I'm I'm kind of thinking about multiple ways of approaching this work. That it's not necessary to say, like, you know, another parent making art um, and talking about parenting, but really just something that I think anyone that was a child, anyone that you know understands or is trying to understand this world, can somehow grasp. Um, there are a lot of artists I look up to um, mm-hmm. for both materials, the way that they use materials in their work. There's a lot of artists I look up to as painters. Um, I come from a traditional painting background. Uh, and then conceptually, there's a lot of painters I think about, or artists, I should say, I think about conceptually. So there's a lot of influences coming from a lot of different places. Um, I've been making this work for a long time, so it's hard to narrow down more specific um, like uh, this is what pushed me here and this is what pushed me there a lot of the time there's uh, kind of just an embracing of everything yeah. and uh, 
pushing ideas that at the time doesn't make any sense. And then as I'm working them out, it, it becomes to be more familiar to something that I think uh, reflects uh, what I'm trying to get across. Thank you. And, and I, I think multiple things are baked into it. It's not like hey, we have one seminal experience. We have one week. It's like if you've been doing something for a long time and I think those past experiences, that past work isn't a complete departure. I think it's in part something that gets you to where you're at and where you are now, unless you completely unlearn what it is to be an artist, what it means to make work or what have you, then it's like, oh yeah, sure. I, I started off by this one crappy experience at like a Panera bread and this is what inspired <laughs> this work. But like, no, it's like several things that are baked up that leads to, to a certain point, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I went to grad school at MICA, Maryland Institute College of Art and in learning or at least going through the graduate experience, I had came from that more educated and I saw the world in that way. It wasn't until I got uh, to being a parent, that, or actually maybe earlier than that, honestly, that I realized um, having that education didn't necessarily make me more uh, understanding. There's a certain sense that you can have knowledge, but you not have wisdom. And if you don't have wisdom, then the knowledge means nothing. And so you know, a, a wisdom, a wise moment is when my daughters say certain things to me that, you know, are simple. But you, you have to step back and think like, this. OK, I, yeah, you make some good points there. Um, I th and I've said this before to people. I, I think, you know, I never want to get to a point where I am so um, uh, prideful, so egotistical, whatever, that I'm not even listening to the smallest voice. You know, mm -hmm. you sometimes can be uh, so thinking that you know it all, that you can lose sight in uh, certain things. So I do think you you can get some wisdom from like uh, children. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I do think that when my kids say things, I I'm, I don't try to, like, uh, stop them or, 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 you know, you know, I think I think we've all had those moments, uh, uh, either as parents or from our parents, where they're to say just because, right? Like, yeah, yeah. like why? And then like just because, and, and it's 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 a kind of a weird moment where it's like the parents either know or they don't know, but they don't want to justify, they, you know, they don't want to justify the conversation uh, because you've asked. And I, I think um, you know it's a moment of exhaustion too. Uh, mm -hmm. But I do think for me. Uh, it's a learning moment. And I yeah. think that's what I'm trying to do. I'm learning in the materials, but I'm also learning as a person, even at 40, uh, you know, from my daughters. And uh, as I'm hoping it's shown in the work, um, it can leave an opportunity for the viewer to learn something as well. You know, uh, that might be, be the case because I'm an educator, but I'm always trying to leave that kind of opportunity there. But, I, you know, who knows? Yeah, and I think one of the things that that's in there, I think when you talk about ego, you talk about, I know this, I'm quote unquote a master at this, I've been doing this X amount of years, but people lead and preface with that. I'm yeah. like, there's, there's stuff that you've probably overlooked or you've forgotten or what have you because you know it. But I think being able to talk with someone who may not have the same amount of experience, like maybe a child, maybe someone that's, that's getting, you know, into a particular field, mm -hmm. it's like, all right, they may ask questions. You're like, you know, I never thought of that. You know, you mm -hmm. got a point. And mm -hmm. being able to go back in it. And I've been trying to take this approach of trying to view things like a novice that I can kind of pay attention to those details, those intermediary steps, because 
you can miss it. You can like, I look at it like this. You can have people like my dad's been driving for, for let's say 50 years, right? Mm-hmm. You can still miss an exit of a place you've gone to many a times. Exactly. 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 And, and uh, you know, I, I also don't want to overshadow the racial component of the work mm-hmm. by saying that this is more of like a, a teaching learning lesson. I think, you know, as every person of color, specifically uh, black men and black women, know this world is changing so, so much. And we're coming across a lot of things. We're seeing things happen uh, due to us being black mm-hmm. a lot differently uh, a lot rapidly, and some of it might even feel familiar to, um, you know, some of the older adults who have gone through civil rights movements and things like that. Um, there, there's, there's a, there's a lot going on, and yeah. I, I think, um, where am I, where am I getting with this? Um, forgive me. I, I think for me, even when my daughter asks me a question. And I have had my personal experiences with it. I cannot claim understanding, even in some mm-hmm. of the, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I might have gone through it once or twice, but I have to leave a opportunity for her to um, not see the world so um, uh, small, narrow yeah, that yeah. way. You know, I think there's a lot of times where, you know, when I went to, when I started traveling uh, overseas and going to different places, I thought I knew everything before then, uh, or got a sense of understanding race. But then when you start going to Portugal or you go to Mexico or wherever, um, you begin to realize race is very different in other yes. uh, countries. And, and matter of fact, ethnicity plays such a major more uh, a major part than uh, race. So there's a lot of things I didn't know, but I do think that that contributes to a conversation with my daughter. So when I'm saying, Hey, you know, I, we need to go travel so you can see the world and see more about what, you know, the superimposed identities that you, uh, may have other than what is perceived by you in Baltimore, Maryland. Yeah. It's, you know, that's something else I, I, I'm trying to, uh, um, unlock or, or trying to talk about too and i haven't got there yet yeah. in the work per se but i'm trying to get that way in uh in my daughter and the conversation i'm having with her do, do you do you feel that and this this is just free jazzing at this point so so do you feel that in your work and maybe how you approach just asking questions because that's the thing like seeking answers kind of seeking for understanding seeking for alternative perspectives and I like to try well that's why I'm asking this question as well to see hey I know what this might look like in Baltimore I know of an experience that's in Baltimore through what I've seen and what I've interacted with but if I go to somewhere else I would imagine it may be different it could be better it could be worse whatever so I go there like with the series I was telling you about before we got started. I want to see what the arts and culture is like in Austin. Mm-hmm. So instead of me asking someone who's down there, I may take that to account, but I'd rather go down there and experience. I felt that that was a richer experience instead of getting feedback and thinking I have a sense maybe based on a travel show or based on a Zoom chat or what have you. But mm-hmm. to be able to go there and really be immersed in it, I think I got a different perspective in that. But that all comes from asking the question. That's a good. Uh, that's a good question. I I I used to make a lot of earlier work, 
earlier work that people probably don't even, you probably can't find on Google or anything like that, but I made some work that I would say is equivalent to like what I think the conversation about race is now uh, amongst artists. Um, there's more of a universal kind of conversation, more historical conversation about slavery or civil rights more just really just the, the the kind of i think the big heavy points about what it means to be a black man or black woman uh, you know when i started making this work i had told myself that i had to be very careful um i get i get i love history and mm -hmm. I, I get historically uh, i i think historically there's so much there and i really enjoy going to it but i found it troubling to have this type of work that I'm making when I'm talking about things like the black contract, there's something that was created, right? Uh, and we can talk about historically why it was created. And I, I understand why to some degree it was created. There are some nuances that I don't understand, but I'm not interested in, I think it, I think it's important for me to lay some ground rules when I'm making this work. And one mm -hmm. of the major ground rules that I don't know if I share many to many people um, is it has to be personal. It has to be something an experience that I have had or has connected with uh, something that has happened within our family. Again, this yeah. is a conversation between me and my daughters that I'm opening up. Um, and I did that intentionally too. Uh, I'm being very vulnerable in the work. Yeah. To, to share that part, uh, to be vulnerable and, and share that to the audience is not very easy, I think. Um, but what's also not very easy is to, to, to pick these moments and know that one, it connects to a lot of people or know too, that it might not connect to many. Um, I've seen the work in response to people that are not, um, uh, like you and I, you yeah. know, now black men. So I know that certain people are going to respond very different to that type of work. But I think one of the major parts of this rule is uh, if I can talk about personal experience, then I don't find myself, I can be more cautious about how I go about the conversation. Yeah. If you start using more universal languages and ideas or stereotypical ideas about how this and this happens, then you you find yourself um, in a, a different type of conversation where you have to defend it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you have to uh, kind of, you know, uh, it, well, let me back up. Even sure. in even in the work, I, there's another rule I have. I don't put any white people or white contract connections into the work. I don't believe I need to. Yeah. To talk about the black construct, you're, you're going to automatically talk about the white construct. And so really, I leave room for that to be there. There's always going to be a moment of, of uh, adversity in some of the work. Yeah. And you just kind of automatically take in what you already know from that to fill in those gaps. There, there has to be some room uh, for uh, some ambiguity, but it also has to be specific in certain areas. And that specific uh, part comes from more of the narrative base in the work. Yeah. Um, and hmm, there's much I can get into it. And I know you have a lot of questions, but I do think that's important for me um, to be mindful of how to tell uh, the story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, to bring it back to my daughters, 
that's that's where it becomes about you know you brought up Texas and and like going like the the part of that conversation where I would talk about going to another country would be somewhat of a a, a smaller part to the bigger conversations you know yeah. what I mean like it's not more of like after we have talked about all these things now I want you to visit this um in other countries or do these other things but it's more of a another conversation another uh it's not the it's not even how am i saying this uh forgive me after having covered my brain now is shot a little bit uh traveling is not the envelope of the whole um uh grouping of everything but it yeah. is just one additional conversation among all the other things yeah. and that part comes from my again personal experiences of traveling um and can what helped me begin to see things for example uh and then i'm gonna kind of be quiet so you can get to the questions <laughs> uh, but when i went to mexico city with my wife yeah. a long time ago it was the first time and i shared this with people and some people give me that look like really and then i have a few people that were like oh really but anyways when we went to mexico city it was the first time i didn't feel black and i don't see you know i have to be careful using that because there you know there's there has to be beauty in being black there has to be yeah. a, a certain love for being black but i also have to acknowledge that there's a construct at the same time, it wasn't. I, I didn't create being black. It was created by somebody that wanted to uh, downplay myself and the many others like me. Yeah. Right? It's 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 kind of a, it melted all of these other ethnicities into one grouping based on our skin complexion. But when I went to Mexico City, I did not feel black. I did not crunch up when I was walking past cops. Yeah. You know, there was a, a full alleyway of SWAT team. Um, people uh, uh members and and i didn't cringe up and you know there's certain uh, you know things i do that i know i do in the united states as yeah. a sense of protection that i didn't do when i was in mexico i had let my guard down which is something that i've been told never to do as a kid goes back to those talks you got from your parents don't let yeah. your guard down i let my guard down in mexico city and it felt felt relieving and i never had felt that for the longest of my life i think that's why folks when they go like traveling sometimes that they come back feeling like relaxed because mm. you know you're able to kind of get past like you're you may be in a, a place that you're familiar with or has similarities to a place that you're familiar with and you're like all right this looks very but if it's so different and you're able just to kind of just re relax and just be able to exist without these other parameters Mm -hmm. yeah, that, that, that's a great feeling. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, like I, as you were describing it, I'm thinking of just, you know, I've only been out of the country one time. And I mean, it was an island, it was a resort, but also, you know, it was things I was familiar with. But, you know, I'm not a shirt off on the beach kind of guy, but I was a shirt <laughs> off on the beach kind of guy. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's just eating conch is, you know, living life. I was like, oh, this is what the celebrities do. Great. Mm -hmm. This is this mm -hmm. is wonderful. Mm hmm. You know, if you think about it, if you go on like YouTube and you just type in something like um, black traveling or whatever, yeah. you'll find so many channels. Um, there's a channel that I, I like. I, I don't even know why I even subscribe to it, but I, like, I'm always <laughs> on it. But it's called something like uh, black travelers in Japan or something like that. I think I follow that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, it really is just trying its whole focus, or at least what I believe its focus is, is to remove any stigmatism uh, any stigmas about traveling in japan yeah and 
you know, there has been conversations about, you know, previous prime ministers or not. I don't know if they're called prime ministers. Um, what are they called? Whoever's running, yeah. you know, forgive me for not knowing what that is, but, um, you know, there has been comments before, you know, about uh, how, um, I forgot the, really forgot what scenario yeah, it's was. It's a prime minister, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess he had said that he he said that Japanese has a problem with prostitutes like the United States has problems with black people. I remember that quote, Oof. and it was very much like boom, right? And in my mind, I'm like, oh, Japanese is like you know, Japan is is seeing it like that. But yeah. then when you look at this, you know, watch this YouTube channel, they're trying to remove that idea that you know someone has something stupid. Yeah. Um, but. There and, and overall, our experience, our personal experience, is boom, boom, boom. But the reality is, you don't see that with many other races or many other cultures. There is a need for that. Then, and I do think that it's because there is a stigma for black people to travel um, because of out of fear, maybe, or out of this kind of sense of like, can I do this? Um, and I do think that, you know, many people in my family have never traveled out of the country and, you know, to be able to go out first time, I think it was right after grad school, it was so unique to me. And ever since then I got caught with that like traveling bug and just wanted to keep traveling, traveling. So I don't, again, I don't know why I subscribe to that thing, but I love hearing the stories about people saying like, listen, it's amazing out here. Um, And as much as I, you know, there are some people that are racist and there are some people that will look at you sideways overall, this country does not, they're not like that. And I I think those are great stories. And I think to get that, that feedback, because, you know, and and now now move to the next question after this, I think you hear about the the Xeno, the xenophobia thing. And, you know, that's just part of, I think it's a weird byproduct where, Mm. Because there's not much travel in and out, it's like, yeah, COVID numbers were relatively low because there wasn't much <laughs> traveling in and out. Or even about the uh, 2015 Miss Universe Japan with the Yariana Miramoto, who's like, you know, half black, half Japanese, mm-hmm. and that that was a, that was a weird take. And yeah. it's just like, so who's Japanese? You start getting to those questions of identity mm-hmm. and, and so on. And um, yeah, so but I think having a channel of people who are living there and they look like me and you are giving that other perspective. And I'd rather have a full holistic perspective potentially to kind of co-op some of that curiosity that might influence me to go or to think about it in a different way versus purely this is a one-sided thing because you know it can't always be that. It can't only yeah. be that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I want to I move to this next question. Uh, so I, I read that you, your work includes artifacts from pop culture. So that's like comic books oh, yes, yes, yes yes so that yeah i think i know where you're gonna get at so yes, that, that's a older order statement from another body of work that i did before okay. uh matter of fact since we were just talking about traveling when i came back from spain i was in spain for i think about a month and when i was coming back from spain i had uh ended up um kind of um learning more from my father some some parts of, uh, you know, his childhood that I didn't know about. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, you know, my father, there was parts of my father that I wish he had 
uh, you know, I, I had, I guess I had high hopes in the sense of like what I thought my father would have been or should have been. Mm-hmm. And as I, this is before I became a parent and knowing that, you know, a lot more what I know now, but he had shared some things with me that made sense. It, it was like, oh, oh, that's why you had gone through this. And that's why our relationship is like this. And so they made it very hard to get frustrated at him for not being this, uh, this ideal person I imagined a father would look like. Mm-hmm. And so in response to that, I made, um, a, um, I made a body of work called Little Rooster. And Little Rooster came about, honestly, through a mixture of research um, into his life, uh, research into the time period that my father was born. My father's uh, way over 80. Uh, so the time period that, you know, he was going through, we just had a lot of deal with like early comic books and things like that. And so when I, in that part of the art statement, when I was talking about comic books and artifacts and things like that, I was looking at all that stuff yeah. as uh, kind of material per se to build up uh, Little Rooster, this, yeah. this kind of narrative I've created. And the narrative was about this little boy who was uh, mischievous and uh, my father very much was like that as well. And I think that's who I was like as a kid too. And um, he did have a strong relationship with his father, which my father did not. And, you know, I went into more of a, um, with that body of work, I went into kind of a sci-fi, not sci-fi, but more like um, kind of like a nerdy, you know, at the time, like comic books were really much diving into superheroes and yeah. this kind of like what if kind of moments. And I think that's what I was diving into. So, you know, there's some fantasy in there, some sci-fi, I guess, in there, very small bits of it. Yeah. But I was diving into all of that stuff. And um, at that time, you had, you know, kind of you know, racist and, and homophobic comics, uh, but they all very much were diving into some of the similar things. I and mean, in the war was happening. So there's a sense of empowerment that people were trying to put in comic books of like, we can fight this war if we had Superman or we can fight this <laughs> the war. Propaganda. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of propaganda. So, you know, I was diving into all that stuff and trying to take a little bit of that stuff and put in there. And I was also through that body of work start doing more sculptural paintings and that's what kind of propelled me into looking at uh the work i'm doing now i think if it wasn't for that body of work Mm -hmm. i wouldn't have been um i would say courageous maybe it sounds weird to say it's not like i like save the kid from a burning car but like you know you get a little afraid of trying something new and when i was trying to connect these dots together, the thing that came to mind is like, well, I guess I'll just make it. I'll just make this sculpture version of it. So, yeah, yeah, I I was making artifacts. I was making things, I would say, that are uh, allowing the viewer to enter into this type of world that I created. Um, I made all these, these, um, I mean, I literally made Little Rooster, the narrative, as if I was going to make a comic book. Um, I drew out all the individuals I was going to put into this, this piece. Um, and I, you know, I honestly talking about inspiration. A lot of people that inspired me was a good friend of mine, Lawrence Lee. I mean, he's still, him and I are good friends. We're still good friends. Uh, Lawrence Lee is an artist out in Texas and, um, him and Trenton Doyle Hancock are good friends. 
And so Trendor, Hancock, and Lawrence Lee both were doing a lot of narratives uh, around very much their own kind of stories. And you can tell that a lot of it was being taken from uh, um, stories in the Bible and Christianity and things like that. And that probably is just because it was rooted, you know, so heavily in Texas. Um, but, you know, they had a, a, a point of, of where they're bringing the stories from. For me, it was from my father. And, and finding a way to create a new narrative for him that he, you know, um, didn't have such a, a drastic and difficult life that he had. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, that's an old, I mean, that's a very long explanation, but that was no. a very old um, a body of work. Was, this is how this is how the deep dive goes, man. I'm, I'm out here. Yeah. I'm out here looking through everything. <laughs> no, um, I can only imagine what you found. <laughs> Um, I, I'd asked someone recently, I was like, so do you Google yourself? They're like, no. I was like, all right, I did. Uh, <laughs> um, so with that, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, ask, ask this last question, this last real question before I get to some rapid fire questions for you. Um, tell me about the experience leading up to um, winning the 2022 Walter and uh, Janet and Walter Sondheim Art Prize. And what's next? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I really was working on the Sondheim most of uh, these last two months, really. Mm -hmm. I had made some work, um, but uh, a lot of that work ended up going to L.A., which was a show that literally just came down last week. Um, but uh, it, it was it was kind of, um, I would say, nerve-wracking. I think that's just a very... <laughs> straightforward and real, Same real answer. Very, it was very nerve-wracking i i you know had to get i think i decided i you know there's moments where i mean to say this i have a lot of paintings uh that i've been sitting on mentally like have sketched and thought through um and uh these are all things that i've been working out and i really from my curator curator kind of com part of compartmental part of my brain it was a moment where i'm like okay what works need to be there and how do i tell a story within a story or at least a bigger kind of like connection to these works and so i sat down one day and said okay i'm going to make these five paintings to go alongside these two paintings that i already have um and knowing that i had to make those five paintings in two months was like again nerve-wracking uh, but I have a very supportive family, um, and what was very fortunate for me, or not fortunate, I would say, w one of the things that was very much uh, kind of something that I, I try to always make sure I maintain is that I don't sacrifice my family. It makes no sense to talk about your family and then sacrifice your family at the same time. So I was also making sure that I was spending time with them and all that. So that's where it gets nerve-wracking. I, I was up until 3 o'clock in the morning, uh, 4 o'clock in the morning, doing a lot of this work. Um, you know, I, I have an assistant who, um, who just started, um, named Omar Harris, who used to be a, a student of mine in one of my classes. He had reached out to me and was like, Hey, what's going on? And he was like, Hey, are you busy this summer? Cause I need help this, you know, making some of these, like, um, these, uh, um, uh, platform. I mean, basically the whole things have to be made. Like, uh, there's a painting called, uh, uh God doesn't like ugly. And that just building that piece uh, was about three months. Oh, wow. um, and it's not like on like steady, but it was just like having to figure things out 
and how to begin to like it's a four layer painting so how do you make a four layer painting and how do you begin to see these things kind of connect um and there's moments where i, I have to like step away from the painting and then go back to it so all in all it it was it was a good experience um i was very fortunate to get everything done in, in time and i've you know i feel like i over think things and so i'm always like man this is gonna work out and, and then it messes me up but i it didn't have the opportunity to overthink it was like you got two months you don't have to knock this out you yeah. don't think about it you're just gonna make it work um going into the walters art museum for the first time laying out the works um it, it felt felt good it felt like um I did my best. That's, that's what I said. I remember thinking out loud in my mind, like I did my best and yeah. I walked away proud of myself. And so if I had not gotten the Samhain, I would have been okay with that because at some point I had shown myself, uh, that I, I put, you know, put everything I could into it. And so I think the worst moment for me is when I don't, do my best and when i know there was a moment where i could have just pushed just a little bit harder um i think everything lined out perfectly and to get the something yeah. uh was uh, you know shocking i you know it hasn't really clicked yet because i mean i wasn't at the award ceremony because yeah. i had covid um i literally was like coughing out my lungs as someone was texting hey congratulations um so it hasn't hit yet, but yeah. I do think that um, Megan and Marin are two amazing artists. Yeah. It could have gone to any one of us. I'm very honored that I, you know that I received it, but I knew it was a very difficult decision for the jurors. And so, um, what do I do with this now? That's a good question. I I have made lists of things I want to do with it. Um, I had won the Joan Mitchell Award a long time ago um, uh, when I was uh, uh, at my the MFA Joan Mitchell Award, and I I did a lot with that money. Um, but I think I want to utilize this money smartly and and begin to not just so much focus on what I can get out of it, but also figure out ways to you know not get short-term benefits out of it but some longer-term benefits out of it and i think when i got to joe mitchell i was in so short-term it was like the housing market crash had happened so yeah. you know short-term was really this all i could think about um but now that i have kids now that i'm like you know a lot older um there's there's things i want to look in how can this be an investment and not so much a, a spend you know something i spend um but uh yeah it's been this is whole ride. It's yeah. been six months. It's been six months doing doing the song hard. You know, yeah. we were doing this thing since February, and so um, it just feels weird that it's done. Uh, it feels weird that I received it, and it feels weird, you know, even just having conversations on the podcast with you or <laughs> getting, you know, uh, people reaching out to me. It, it's um, I'm a very introverted person. I chill. I'm in my studio making the work, uh, whether someone's looking at it or not looking at it, you know, and I'm very fortunate uh, that people have seen it. Uh, but this is this is all just like, it, it's just uh, 
what what's going on? Yeah, I, you know, you know. <laughs> it, it was um when when it was announced or when it was uh in that or just you know the the vibe that was in there. Um, it was so many people were happy. It was like I was next to um the homie uh, Chris Batten, and it was just like fist bumps. And it was great. And I was, and that's the first time I actually have gone to it or what have you, because you know it's I'm, I've been covering arts and culture or what have you for the last few years. But and you're the the third winner I've had on, so it's just like I'm out here, you know. But yeah. um, it was great to to see that and. You know, that's, and I think that's why I emailed you a few minutes. Like, congratulations, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did. I mean, I, 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 I think it was like, yeah, it was a, um, you know, I had a student or I, or I have a student who, uh, reached out to me and was like, um, you know, congratulations on getting it. He says, uh, I, I don't want to say what he all said. There was a lot of things he said, but, Basically, he was saying not only was it something that he was proud of, but he was saying that you're you're you know you're a trailblazer, a trailblazer for me, right? Yeah. And and you know I think I've never imagined myself to be in that situation uh, to be a trailblazer for someone, and I it, it, I think I got a lot of messages, but that kind of sits in my my mind is his messages a lot, his message a lot because I yeah. think. You don't realize how many people are watching you and you don't realize how many people are trying to figure out how to do this thing. Um, But to see other people do it can give you some encouragement. And that's how I got here. I saw people do it. And it's what made me apply. It was what made me do the work that I do. Um, I watch other people succeed. And now before I know it, I have one of my students saying very much the same thing to me that in itself is a full circle that, you know, I am truly honored to be part of and see, you know, I I've had mentors and people who I would not be here without them. And I remember one mentor before he passed away, he saw one of my solo shows and I said, you know, I'm here because of you. Thank you so much. And he said, no, no, no. Um, you know, I don't want to thank you. I just want you to pass, pass it on. So I just feel, you know, to answer your question, I feel like, uh, just getting that message from, from that student, um, and from many other people, it makes me feel like, uh, I'm, I'm somewhat, it's bigger than, it's bigger than what I, I'm receiving. I'm receiving money. I'm receiving this kind of, uh, ways of people really excited. But I also think that it just, because of this community, this Baltimore art community that we're in, you know, when we are succeeding, uh, we kind of succeed together. I know it sounds really yeah. kind of corny to say that. I know, you know, the reality is some people might not feel that way, but I do think, um, I watched Cindy Chang, you know, get this award. I've seen um, Tony Shore and other people get this award. And because I've seen them get I'm like, I'm going to try too. Yeah. And I'm waiting for that student who reached out to me to apply for this, and hopefully he'll get it. And uh, I'll be able to kind of say the same thing, like, congratulations to you. I'm super proud of you. So anyways, um, yeah, very, very humble, very honored. Well, 
Well, thank you. And I think that's a, a good space for us to stop off at on the real questions. I want to hit you over the head real quick with five rapid fire questions. Don't overthink them because I do the same thing. We're on the same page, bro. I'm telling you, we're on the same page. So um, first one I want to hit you with is um, if your artwork were music, what would it sound like? What would be the genre? Oh, uh, Quale Chris. And I think Quale Chris, I don't know how this goes. He's hip hop, but he's like an underground hip hop artist. So, yeah, I would say Quale Chris and, and very much like the rappers from like Detroit and like kind of like New York right now. Like okay. Quale Chris and Pink Seafood, like those type of dudes. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's what I would say. So, I was like, um, so next two are pop culture related. So be prepared. Uh, what's a movie that's begging to be remade? I hope none. I think I think we're so done with remakes. <laughs> so done. I think we're done with this. <laughs> we're so done. Yeah, I, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna set this one up for you. Uh, it's Saturday morning. I, I, you know, I got no, one. I got one. Sorry. I got one. I want a black Goonies. Okay, I'm here for that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm here for it. I mean, I can play like Slothel hat. No, nah, that's that's terrible. That's terrible. That's terrible. <laughs> like a Goonies that's made more urban than mm-hmm. like Goonies and what I believe was like Maine or something like that. Like in <laughs> like I I want to see like a black Goonies. One could argue that uh, Boys in the Hood was the first half of Boys in the Hood. Is that's, that that's probably true? That's probably true. We probably <laughs> ever got one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that gold is just like drugs, you know? Whatever. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um. All right. Uh, so it's Saturday morning in the early '90s. What are you watching? Things. Mm. Okay, so I get my like week cartoons mixed up with my Saturday cartoons. It's a thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Um, shoot, it's probably Nickelodeon. Ooh. Probably either like is it Rocco? No, Rocco wasn't like a week Saturday thing. Oh, you know what? It was like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was on Saturday. If I remember correctly, so yeah, probably like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'm talking about like the old one, um, probably them, yeah. probably something like that. But I do remember like weekdays was like Disney. You got to <laughs> watch like the Ducktales, Tailspin, Darkwing Duck, tell you know the um, Chip and Dale, all that stuff. I'm um, here for it. Yeah, Toxic Avenger was another one. Yeah. I was definitely uh, definitely X Men on the weekends for me. Oh, X Men! I forgot about that one. Yeah, X Men was definitely up there. All right, uh, let's see. I got two more for you. Um, are you more of a thinker or a doer? Oh, my wife would say I'm a thinker. Um, actually, she'll say I'm both. But I, I, I like thinking a lot. Um, I think I get too deep. But <laughs> you know, it depends on what we're talking about. You know. But, yeah. Okay. And lastly, um, it, it, regardless to uh, language conventions, right? Uh, is art a noun or a verb? There's my thinking going right now. Uh, <laughs> I would say, for me, art is a. Uh, it's both. It's definitely both. But I do think that um, art, art is a verb. Right now. Okay. Yeah. That's that's legit. So that's that's pretty much all I have for today. Um, so I want to thank you for coming on to this podcast and I want to invite and encourage you to uh, tell the fine folks where to check you out, to check out your work, website, social media, all of that good stuff. 
Um, Instagram is my uh, account. I'm sorry, I have my dog running around. <laughs> uh, Instagram is uh, J Double Ham for the uh, J Double Ham for the W. Um, there's an <laughs> underscore in between uh, J underscore between Double Hand as one word. Mm-hmm. And for the is uh, a, 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 a grouping of words. Um, and then as far as my website, uh, James Williams, uh, two eyes for the second dot com. Uh-huh. And it's a really amazing website. And I say that because I, my, my friend Tommy Dobrik made this website in the way that I wanted it to be. And it's amazing. I love it. I'm a big fan of the website, by the way. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you. So, there you have it, folks. Um, for James Williams II, I am Rob Lee saying that there's art and culture and winners on this podcast. You just got to look for it. Mm-hmm.